The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Turn us on and the satisfaction's guaranteed. Frank discussion with passion on CJD 800. Coming up after 10.15 tonight, we talk about sexuality in young adults. I have a sex researcher who will be joining me talking about a big study that was done by, uh, that was initiated by Trojan, a survey of 18 to 24-year-olds. I'm going to look at some of their sexual practices and what it means to have sexual satisfaction at that age. But first... Time to check out our inbox. Your texts are always welcome. Connect with passion at 514-800. If uh, you want to email me your questions, you can do that as well to laurie at drlaurie.com. And of course, I'm always happy to answer your questions. 514-800 to text in. Uh, So a couple, just an update. Uh, This was somebody that had sent in, I don't know if uh, you were listening or remembered, but uh, a woman and her husband who had made a bet about our passion poet. So she wrote back uh, after the Super Bowl, my daughter and I are thrilled we won our bet and a spa day is next Saturday. My husband still does not believe the poet writes so good so fast. My husband was under the impression that my daughter and I would go out so he can enjoy his Super Bowl game. It was the first time in many years he hosted a Super Bowl get together. He always came home after the game year after year telling me what a great time he had at someone else's house for Super Bowl Sunday. He thought he was just going to buy a couple of cases of beer, chips, pretzels, and order a few pizzas. My daughter and I surprised him and stayed home and catered, played waitresses for him and his uh, friends. Uh, His friends left soon after the game ended, and they all said this was the best Super Bowl get-together they have ever had. The look on my husband's face made all the effort worthwhile. Since we started having family night, we have become a much closer family, and disagreements are fewer and resolve faster and without the confrontation that used to happen. My daughter and I are closer than ever, and she shares very personal things with me, and to be fair, I do as well. We have you to thank for this. We all love each other a little more now. A thank you, Dr. Lori, and a thank you to to your poet. I love hearing back from people who have been uh, impacted or have taken up a suggestion that I've made, and then it has really worked out well. So thank you for sharing. I, you have no idea how uh, this warms my heart and how much I appreciate that. Uh, Hi, Dr. Lori. Sorry to bother you so much. (laughs) This person has written in a few times, but I love the advice. Uh, You are very helpful. Question is, I don't think my wife was taught by her mother about vaginal hygiene. It seems like her pH is very acidic, question mark. I get very itchy and raw the next day after sex. It's almost like athlete's foot on the shaft. I'm constantly using creams and jock itch products because she's not taking care of her cage. I don't know why people call it that. It's really embarrassing to talk about, but I don't uh, care. I've told her in the past she needs to douche. She thinks just soap on the the snatch. Okay, why do you have to use this terminology? On the vagina or vulva is good enough. It doesn't stink yet. Please help. Maybe I can get the products and put them in the shower. Okay, I've got a few uh, things to dispel here some myths to dispel first of all douching very bad idea it actually changes the ph levels and does no good to the vagina the vagina is a self-cleaning organ you only need mild very mild soap and water that's it nothing internal just on the outside 
Just remember that. So it has nothing to do with that. It could be that she has a more acidic uh, uh, pH, but we all women have different uh, different acidity factors. Sometimes it can it has to do with what they eat and and what have you. Uh, so you can always try and put a barrier there between your face and her her genitals if that's the case, or um, if you're talking about. Uh, you're itching on your penis, well then wear a condom if this is going to help you. But the only thing I can think of is it's possible that she has possibly a yeast infection that she's passing on to you. And so you get itchy. And, uh, so that's a possibility. So I would test for that. I would ask her to at least just get a swab at her gynecologist's office to rule out anything that's going on there. Because if that's the case, you could be passing it back and forth. So, and you would be, need to be treated with a, uh, a topical, uh, cream for, um, for yeast, not, not jock itch cream necessarily. So that's something that, that you can do. Um, and that's it. Like no need to douche, no special products, no special soaps, none of that. There's nothing wrong with her vaginal hygiene. If she showers normally, if something else is going on internally, then it's something she has to check with her gynecologist, but otherwise don't make her feel like there's something, uh, wrong with her. Uh, <laughs> have to say, this person wrote, uh, I'm impressed that this man made it to the point of being a husband, even though he is mansplaining his wife's genitals to her. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much what he's doing, thinking that she knows less than he does about her uh, genitals. <laughs> uh, texter had written in, I saw a video of women with three breasts. Is this true? I have never seen that. I mean, I'm sure there are anomalies, uh, people with third nipples and things like that. I don't know about the third, uh, breast. I imagine it could potentially be, uh, be true. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Thanks for answering my questions. I feel kind of lucky you have taken several of my questions. Either that or a lot of people are as horny as I am or not afraid to ask. That's true. I feel like I have a problem with sex. I want it every day. I can do without for a few weeks, but my balls swell up and I feel the need to release. I masturbate maybe once a week because my wife isn't really passionate. She would rather read books. Of course, we had a lot of sex until we got married, but now it's once a month. Women wonder why men cheat. This is a perfect example why. I have several lady friends that hit on me and try to get a quick lay, but I'm married with two kids. She acts like she's worn out with sex. Hey, maybe she's just worn out with having two kids and a demanding husband. I don't know. Uh, Only does it like the laundry. Uh, The hard thing is all the women around want me really bad. Too bad I live in... I live in the U.S. Oh, it's an American guy. Or I take her with me to your office. <laughs> Thanks for all your help. I really hope you take this question on air. Okay, well, what did anybody want to answer this one or, or get in on this one? If your testicles are swelling up, well, maybe you need to masturbate more than once a week. Masturbate a little more frequently. You won't get the buildup. It won't hurt you. But, you know, try and uh, be a little compassionate with your wife and see what it is that she needs. Maybe she needs a little more help from you. Find out what the, the conditions for her uh, would be. I, I'm certain that you putting up pressure on her or 
if you even tell her even a smidgen of what you've told me here, uh, she's not going to be very happy with you. You know, oh, all these women want me and why don't you want me? And this is why, you know, men cheat and blah, blah, blah. This is only going to serve to draw her further away from you, not bring you closer. So when you think about it, think about what is it you can do to warm her heart. Forget her genitals right now. How can you warm her heart? How can she feel warmth towards you so she is more open to having sex with you? And maybe it's helping her out more. And if she's so worn out, maybe you need to ask her, honey, is there anything I can help you so that you can relax? How about taking some time for yourself? How about going to the spa every once in a while? How about take just, you know, I, let me give you time for you. Let me take care of the kids. Let me take care of blah, 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 whatever, whatever it is. So find out that rather than just wanting to get your needs met enough. hope I'm not being too harsh on you, but that's, uh, I think a lot of women would probably respond that way, that way. A texter from a woman says, I notice I smell more downstairs when I work out a lot. Lately, I've been training nearly every day, two hours a day, some days. Whoa. Sometimes it seems to bring about bacteria vaginosis as I am susceptible. That is one downfall of physical training. Well, it could, uh, it could be, I mean, that, that could be the sweating and all of that could, uh, could be having an impact on, on, on the pH levels and such. So that might be a possibility. Coming up, let's talk about sexuality in young adults in the college age population. We'll find out what they are up to according to this really large survey of college students. That's uh, coming up. A safe place to work out the kinks in any relationship. It's Passion with CGAD 800's Dr. Lori Batito. Let's talk about sexuality in young adults. Joining me is my esteemed colleague and sex researcher, Dr. Robin Milhausen from the University of Guelph. She was part of the team that analyzed the data from a large campus sex survey of 18 to 24-year-olds that was initiated by uh, Trojan Condoms along with, uh, with CCAN, the Sex Information Educational Council of Canada and the University of Guelph that analyzed this data. Robin, so happy to have you on my show again. Hi, nice to be here. Yeah. Uh, so tell me a little bit about this uh, this survey. How often is this survey done? Sure. This is the second time that we have surveyed university students, and the first time was about five or six years ago with the Sex Information Education Council of Canada and um, also Trojan. And then we also, in between there, did a survey of midlife adults. So we've been able to ask the same questions about sexual behavior, attitudes, preferences, health uh, among young adults and among midlife adults as well. Ooh, that'll be interesting to compare those two. Mm-hmm. Mm, have you done any comparisons of those two populations? Yeah, we have done a little bit. And as we talk tonight, if, if uh, things come up that related to the midlife sample, I'll, I'll let you know for sure. Um, one spoiler alert is that the young adults are happier if they're having sex more often than the midlife adults. So <laughs> that was one of my are, questions. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Okay, good. All right. Uh, how big is the sample? Oh, we have about uh, 1,500 young people this time. Oh, that's good. All right. Great. About about equal men and women represented and from across the whole country. Wow. All right. Great. So from across campuses, across Canada. Yeah. 
it's fun to have Canadian statistics, I have to tell you. Usually I'm reporting on U.S. statistics, so it's really nice when we have some good good old Canadian statistics. It is for sure, and there are lots of cultural differences, though, so Canadian data is really important. Mm, well, we should talk about those cultural differences to see, because, of course, we don't have to split it up into states. Like when you're doing American uh, statistics, every state is so different in their um, – in their in their social values, religiosity, and stuff, whereas Canada, not so much, I don't think. Well, there are there definitely are some variations, but there are big variations when you compare us to the U.S. And so, it, again, it's really important to have Canadian data, the healthcare system, everything, lots of different attitudes. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so you looked at, uh, or the survey looked at, uh, which I find interesting, looking at sexual satisfaction in uh, in younger people, and. Uh, I'm interested to talk about what were the conditions that seemed to lead to more sexual satisfaction. And I bet that none of these will surprise you as a <laughs> therapist yourself. Um, but about half of participants said they were very sexually satisfied in their current sexual relationship. And that's actually higher than the midlife folks um, by a little bit. Okay. Um, and the things that were most associated with were things like communication, um, duration of sexual encounter, foreplay. Uh, and so you know, I don't like to think about foreplay. I mean, physicians like penis and vagina intercourse is the main event. But right. as we think about all of the kind of manual stimulation, um, snuggling, cuddling, other activities that you might do leading up to a sexual encounter, those things really do impact satisfaction and for both men and women, which is a nice finding because you you tend to hear that these things are especially important for women. for women, but for the men and the women in our sample, the university students, um, engaging in those before sex activities um, were associated with being very sexually satisfied in their current relationship. So, and so there was no difference between men and women when it came to foreplay. Yeah, if you had six or more minutes, so this is a low bar also, folks, if, <laughs> if, they, if they engaged in six or more minutes of affectionate behavior prior to sex, they were more likely to say they were very satisfied in their relationships, and the numbers were really similar um, for men and women. So, folks, you heard it right here, six minutes minimum, right? That should yeah, be your minimum. minimum. <laughs> yeah, and that's re that is related to sexual satisfaction in relationships. But we did actually see a difference in terms of orgasm and pleasure. Okay. So here is where that um, foreplay um, came out stronger for women. So women who said they were engaging in six or more minutes of pre-sex affectionate behavior were more likely to say that the last episode of sex in particular was very pleasurable, and they were more likely to have an orgasm. So it's right. related to sexual satisfaction overall in both genders, but women are going to have more of those event-specific outcomes that are positive with more foreplay. Well, that makes perfect sense if, with what we know, right? And, yeah, have, and th haven't there been studies that show like it takes women like 20 minutes of stimulation to get there? On average? Yeah, and then on average, yeah. And actually, there's been some research, other Canadian research by Sandy Byers, um, out of New Brunswick, indicating that actually both men and women want about the same amount of foreplay. Like they actually both would, when asked, on average, want about 16 to 18 minutes. So okay. I think uh, women underestimate how much foreplay men tend to want. Um, and the moral of the story from our data and I think other data is just try and increase it a little bit and um, you'll be more satisfied. 
<laughs> yep. Uh, now, of course, there's the foreplay. There's the afterplay or the, the, the post-sex affection and the post-sex cuddling. There's, we have this belief that women want it, men not so much, that men turn over and want to go to sleep. I don't think that's true, but what did the data show? Yeah, this is really neat. This is one of our favorite parts of the whole data set. And this idea comes actually from Amy Muse's research. She's another Canadian researcher from York University. Um, and she was the first person to investigate this phenomena of post-sex affectionate behavior. So what happens after sex? Uh, and does it make a difference? And mm-hmm. actually, it does make a huge difference. So interestingly, and again, it's six-minute rule. If a couple is intimate, cuddly, affectionate for just six minutes after sex, they are more likely um, to be sexually satisfied, and women are more likely to say the event was very pleasurable, and women are more likely to report that they had an orgasm. So six minutes, again, not a huge investment, but it also makes sense because at that time, you're primed for intimacy and connection. You're feeling vulnerable, you're feeling close, and so if you can just be cuddly and kind for a few minutes after that, you're going to get the most bang for your intimacy buck. Most bang. Yes, you said it, <laughs> not <Yeah>. me. <laughs> and interestingly, a- Amy found that, well, like, wouldn't people who are happier in the first place be more likely to engage in this kind of cuddly behavior right. after sex? So isn't it just that the relationship is happier overall? But in her longitudinal research, she found that even taking into account how happy the people were at the outset and how satisfied, this after-sex affection independently predicted satisfaction three months later down the road. So I think no matter wow. how happy you are, if you're maybe conflicted or troubled or if you're really satisfied spending time and paying attention in those minutes after sex is is a good idea regardless and it and it can influence future orgasms too right whether you have orgasms in the future does that have an or impact at, or at least um, hard, hard hard to say maybe that's another study but, yeah, but we definitely know it retrospectively is associated. Right, right. All right. We're speaking with uh, sex researcher Dr. Robin Mailhausen from University of Guelph. We're talking about a big study done by uh, by Trojan, initiated by Trojan. It's the Campus Sex Survey of 18 to 24 year olds. If you have any questions uh, for Dr. Mailhausen, please send them along at five one four eight hundred. So we talked about. Um, what about uh, how long, because this is an important question too, how long intercourse actually lasts? Do we have any data on that? We know about at least the foreplay, but what about intercourse? How often, how much does that matter? Yeah, well, and most the most commonly reported length for the sexual encounter was 16 to 35 minutes in this sample. And that's also really similar to the midlife folks. So we are not seeing, particularly in heterosexual couples of younger or older age, we're not seeing hours-long sexual encounter. Um, although some other research with uh, women who have sex with women are showing they are more likely to have sex that lasts hours and hours. Really? And they okay. report more pleasure and orgasm. So heterosexual folks have some work to do in terms of duration. Part, uh, well, part in, of it, Robin, has must have to do with, lasting and most men don't can't last hours and hours of intercourse so here we're talking six to something 16 to whatever minutes uh, with the entire sexual activity so that which includes intercourse foreplay and afterplay 
Yeah, indeed. And if, but if, if folks then stretched out that beginning part, stretched out the end part, the whole duration of the encounter would be longer. So right. men don't have to make the whole encounter about thrusting. That's right. We're trying, to, trying to hit that home for those men. <laughs> Aren't we trying to, but we do that. We say this all the time, like for women, 80% of women don't orgasm through intercourse, but yet I think men, many men still hold right. the belief that they have to last uh, you know, really long time when in fact, if they spend all that time that they are hoping to on intercourse on the foreplay, they're going to be, be much more successful, at least in satisfying their partners. Absolutely. And, and so duration of their last encounter was not related to whether men had an orgasm or, um, or pleasure for men. Um, but it really was for women. And so the lesson for men is if you care about your partner's pleasure and satisfaction, then spending a little more time on the encounter is, uh, is a good idea. Yeah. And again, I want to stress not on the intercourse part, on the foreplay part, that matters more. Yeah. The whole part, the whole part, the whole thing, yeah. but, but the, yeah. the, we know six yeah. plus minutes on foreplay, yeah. we have that definitively now. So I want to just stress that more I than think... anything, because I get those questions so often that I feel like I need my I need the signs to back it up, you know. Now we have people it. all over Quebec are going to be getting out their phones, setting a timer. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay if they get used to understanding yeah. what six minutes is of foreplay. I'll I'm, I'll be happy with that for sure. Yeah. Uh, well, there's lots more to uh, that I want to talk about with you. Things like uh, and our listeners too, if they have any questions for you, but. Um, some of the things, and I hope you'll hang out with us a, a little bit longer through the news, uh, our, our news segment, so that uh, we can discuss this. But I want to talk about the discussion about sex, like communicating about sex. Do, do people find it um, that that helps improve their satisfaction? Uh, what about oral sex? What about frequency of sex? That's another thing. So I know all of these things were looked at in the big campus sex survey, and I will uh, ask these questions of Dr. Robin Milhausen. The following program contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. From the pleasure and the politics to the hang-ups and the heartbreak, you're listening to Passion, CJD 800. Tonight we're talking about adolescent, not adolescent, sexuality in young adults, I should say, 18 to 24. I still think of 18 to 24 as adolescents, but nonetheless. Uh, College-age students, this was from a, a database of a large called the Campus Sex Survey, a Canadian survey initiated by Trojan Condoms and analyzed by the experts at uh, the Sex Information Education Council of Canada and the University of Guelph. And speaking to us right now is sex researcher Dr. Robin Milhausen of the University of Guelph, who did some of the uh, analysis of this. So, Robin, let's talk about, because uh, I know you looked at this, uh, communicating about sexuality. How much does this impact sexual satisfaction in both men and women? I think this is one of our other most striking findings. And again, won't surprise you in particular, I think, but those who communicate frequently about their sexual likes and dislikes were almost twice as likely to say that they were very sexually satisfied. Mm. It's huge. Um, basically, what we've learned from this is it's pretty hard to fall accidentally into sexual satisfaction. It takes work, it takes <laughs> sexual self-knowledge, and then also being able to communicate about what you like with your partner. And you greatly, greatly increase your odds of a sexual um, 
encounter that's satisfying right. if you are giving your partner some clue about what things you like and don't like. And I'll tell you and, and tell our listeners, of course, that this is what makes a good lover. You're not born a good lover. It's not a natural like a thing. It's something that develops and it develops through really good communication because this is the, the, the most important element to having a good sex life. And I think your the research uh, bears that out. Did you find this too in, in, the, uh, in your sample of adults? Definitely. Absolutely. It was very predictive satisfaction, the same exact strength in the midlife couples. And I think it also dovetails well with the post-sex affectionate behavior. You can actually merge both of these things. If you take those last moments after a sexual encounter um, to share what parts you liked, what worked for you, what was really hot, um, that's a good time to send those positive messages. Mm -hmm. And it also can increase intimacy because you're having the communication at that time. And I think a lot of people are nervous about sharing negative sexual messages and what they don't like. Mm -hmm. And I think you can actually do a lot by reinforcing a partner for doing the things that they're doing well. Um, And you can use nonverbals in a sexual encounter. Um, If if something's working really well for you, you can say specifically afterwards what you really like. Um, You can go pretty far without saying oh, I really hated when you did that. That was right. disgusting. <laughs> right. No, that wouldn't be the, the right approach. No. Um, so this texter wrote in, I would be curious to know from your guests if there have been uh, a change from present survey than surveys previous. I found that the Me Too movement has dramatically changed the landscape. Have you guys compared um, this survey with past surveys, for example? Yeah, we have done a little bit of that, and that's a great a great question. Um, we actually are finding quite a lot of similarity in terms of the questions that we're asking here on this survey with the 2012 um, data. So you know, about the same number are satisfied, about the same number are talking about their sexual, and dislike, sexual likes and dislikes, um, but we don't have specific questions about initiation, um, consent, in the survey that we would be able to compare back to the earlier data. Right. Um, I think that work, that research is really important, um, but that was not a focus of the items in this questionnaire. Oh, yes. Okay. Uh, what about um, oral sex? Is that something that indicated, like more oral sex indicated more satisfaction, and was this different for men and women? Uh, well, turns out both men and women like receiving oral sex. <laughs> <laughs> Surprise! Uh, <laughs> I know. I mean, not. We can't say that universally. There are lots of folks who are not so comfortable with with oral sex. Um, but those who received oral sex were more likely to say that the last bout of penis vaginal intercourse was very pleasurable. Um, they were more likely to have an orgasm, both men and women, and they were mm-hmm. more likely to be very sexually satisfied. Right. So I think the key is to talk to your partner about this and see if this is an activity that they are interested in. Because among those who are engaging in it and receiving oral sex, um, the they are more likely to say that the encounter was satisfying. Right. And sometimes you have to wonder, like those who do practice oral sex may in fact be uh, more open or more comfortable in their sexuality yeah. and therefore may experience more satisfaction and may find it easier to talk about. And those who don't or are uncomfortable with it maybe don't talk about it and then therefore don't exactly. talk about sexuality. So it's uh, don't know which direction that's coming from, but yeah. True. And now, interestingly, um, in our earlier university sample, the five years ago one, we actually published a paper looking at uh, the balance of giving and receiving oral sex Mm -hmm. um, in this university sample. And we haven't done that analysis with this uh, data yet. 
but it, it turned out that uh, women were giving a lot more oral sex than they were receiving. Huh. Um, and, and women reported the most pleasure when there was mutual giving and receiving of oral sex. So that is a good take-home message, too, uh, to make sure in your relationship that it's not one person providing all the pleasure all the time, but that both people are, are experiencing giving and receiving. You know, it's funny. I had a conversation today with a, a man in this age category, and he was telling me uh, about a sexual encounter or a date that he had uh, the, the previous night and telling me that, oh, yeah, I got a blowjob from this girl. And my first question was, and what did you do for her? <laughs> Did you reciprocate? I was like, what? I've heard this far too often. You know, oh, I got this and I got a a BJ. And then I'm like, where's the reciprocation? And now we've backed it up with data that, yeah, there is often not reciprocation, sadly. Right. Well, then those might be people that don't care so much about their partner's satisfaction (laughs) necessarily, right? Yeah. Well, in a relationship then, give and take, folks. Uh, what about frequency of sex? Because that comes up often on this show in terms of uh, couples complaining about uh, frequency or lack of frequency in sexuality. Does more mean more satisfied? And I know we're asking a young group of people. It would be very, mm-hmm. I imagine it would be very different if you're asking a 54-year-old versus a 24-year-old. Yeah. And of course, it's also reciprocal, like you were saying. So if you're really satisfied, you're going to have sex more often. And if you're having sex more often, you're going to be more satisfied. So it all plays in together. But what we found with the university students is they were most likely to say that their last sex was very pleasurable if they were having sex about two or more times a week. And with our midlife sample, the benefits of sex leveled off um, at about once a week. So I think... You know, but they, these 24-year-olds aren't parenting. They don't have a mortgage. <laughs> They're um, horny as hell. <laughs> yeah, they don't have diabetes or, I don't know, high cholesterol. So, so for the 2018 24-year-olds, having sex two or three times a week was associated with the most satisfaction. Okay. Well, that, that kind of makes perfect sense. And, and it goes with the other studies that have shown that once a week tends to be the sweet spot for personal happiness, like for satisfaction in relationships. Uh, yeah. for older people and people in long-term relationships. And we're also looking at a group of people, 18 to 24-year-olds, who may not be in committed long-term relationships or whose committed relationships are young still, right? They're, they're, yeah. they're not that long. So they haven't gotten into past that that stage of long-term and, and some of the, 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 the passion may have left the building, you know? Yeah, and this sample, about two-thirds were in relationships lasting less than two years. So, yeah, that is a different duration than the midlife sample. Right. Uh, did you also uh, look into, I imagine they did since it was initiated by Trojan condoms, the use of people's use of, of condoms, their uh, their attitudes towards it, and whether they negotiated use of condoms? Yeah, we did ask that, and we... Interestingly, the rate of condom use was not different compared to our samples five, six years ago. So that's not so great for us sex educators who are trying to encourage young people to use condoms more often. (laughs) And it looks like just regardless of the sample, it seems that young people are using condoms are about half of the time or about half of the people who had uh, like penis and vagina sex, half of those people reported they they used a condom in in most samples. So 50%. Um, because yeah. in past in past years, I the number that comes to my mind is about twenty five percent 
had used it at their last sexual encounter. Well, so it maybe it I, has I increased. Maybe I think off, I see fifty percent a lot, but it makes a big difference about the type of relationship. So who you've got in your sample makes a difference. Interestingly, mm-hmm. you're more likely to use condom if you're with a casual partner, um, and it's in those long-term committed relationships over time where you feel like, oh, I don't need to use a condom anymore because we're committed, um, and they often switch to hormonal birth control. So right. in the more established relationships, condom use is way down, and in the more casual relationships, condom use is higher. Okay. But so. the really positive finding here, and we found this, this is like the third time we found it in our national data, and it's coming out in the U.S. data as well, that people are not more likely to rate the last time they had sex as very pleasurable if they didn't use a condom. When you look at the pleasure oh. ratings for the last sexual encounter, they are not different depending on whether you use a condom or not. So I think people have these ideas about condoms reducing sensation and, or spoiling the mood or whatever. But actually, when people have sex, they're pretty happy to be having sex, and sex is pretty good, and uh, the condom actually doesn't interfere with pleasure and may actually provide some opportunities for increased pleasure yeah. um, because you don't have those concerns about STI or pregnancy. And condom designs are more fun now. The shapes are more fun. There's some that have oh. uh, one condoms now have like 60 different sizes. It's like, oh yeah, it's a, a very different landscape for for condom use. And you're right, it can reduce the anxiety of uh, of getting some kind of STI, which would of course increase the the pleasure. Robin, I want to thank you so much for uh, for joining me here tonight and sharing all of this wonderful data with us. Really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right. You take care. That's Dr. Robin Milhausen from the University of Guelph. Uh, Coming up, I'm going to continue to answer some of your questions that have come in in and some of your texts. Uh, That's coming up next. Passion with Dr. Lori Batito on CJAD 800. Well, that was interesting to find out uh, all this wonderful data about 18 to 24-year-olds. I have a lot of responses here on the text board of some of the uh, responses, some of the questions I mentioned earlier that I answered earlier on in the show that I want to share with you. And you guys can tell me what you think. But uh, So in response to the gentleman who wrote in uh, because his uh, wife does not want to have sex with him too often and his uh, testicles swell up, uh, this guy, the guy should go with his feelings and masturbate whenever he desires. As to his wife, if she's not willing to have sex, he should seek it elsewhere and she should be okay with that. Really? I do not agree with that. I think you need to address the issues. What simp- like? What if there are reasons for this? Don't you want to fix the relationship, improve the relationship. We need to find out what's going on before simply saying, oh no, you don't have sex with me? I'm going to go get it elsewhere. Uh, I don't think we do that. And I don't think that's uh, healthy and I think it's destructive to the relationship. I'm not saying that uh, having or not having sex is not destructive. I mean, that is can be destructive to a relationship as well, leaving one partner completely frustrated. But let's address the issue before running out to uh, get it elsewhere. Um, another text around in regards to Mr. U.S., that's the guy who wrote in, is his wife's name Melania? <laughs> Don't be mean. All right, I am, uh, I'm demisexual and genderqueer, Born with a gynecological system, so with a f- 
female genitals. Not exactly a young adult, I'm 27, but my partner just graduated university and I don't yet have my degree. I'm, I am so insanely attracted to my partner. However, I have the same problem with him as I have had with others. Most times after sex, I get overtaken by a wave of absolute despair and dejection. My partner has a high sex drive and says that he doesn't mind that I often refuse sex as long as I don't mind him masturbating, which I don't. However, I feel guilty and want to be able to enjoy sex and be satisfied. Are there any affordable or free resources you can recommend for sex therapy? So there are a couple of things here. First of all, for our listeners who may not know what a demisexual person is, that is someone who doesn't experience sexual attraction to another person unless they have an emotional connection with that person. Uh, basically, it's um, it's kind of like a halfway between sexual and asexual is uh, is the way to look at that. Gender uh, gender queer also uh, refers to non-binary, which we've talked about here on the on the show. Now you talk about the despair and dejection after sex. That is, um, there is a condition called postcoital dysphoria. It does happen to, you'd be surprised, but to quite a few people where they feel very sad uh, after a sexual experience. It either has something to do with some hormones. It has something to do with. Uh, it could have. It, it could be also psychological because of the vulnerability that you feel, etc. Could open up kind of the the floodgates a little bit. And the only thing t- to do with that is accept that it's there and maybe ask your partner to hold you and to cuddle you until that feeling uh, kind of uh, kind of passes. So. I mean, that's something that you you have to deal with. I mean, it sounds like you're in a relationship where your partner understands and understands that you may not want sex as much or I don't know if you enjoy, aside from the after the sex, do you enjoy it while it's happening? Because that's something as well. Uh, you ask about affordable or free resources for sex therapy. I, unfortunately, in this province, I can tell you the answer is pretty much uh, no. Um, you might be able to find, if you go to the uh, order of sexologists, you may be able to find sexologists who work on a sliding fee scale, um, maybe. Uh, you won't necessarily find them in the public system, though. I mean, you could, you'd have to look. I I, I wouldn't even know uh, where to look. You could always call the CLSC and uh, and find out. There's also a clinic, I believe it's still in operation, but uh, it's the the sex and marital clinic at uh, the Royal Victoria Hospital. You can try them as well. There is a fee-for-service, but I think it's... uh, it's it's pretty reasonable, so that's something you can uh, you can look about look at that. Another text says it makes me laugh to hear about males complaining about the occasional not so pleasant odor from a woman's vagina, but would not consider for a second their personal hygiene if offered a BJ immediately after a long hard day at work and many exclamation marks. 
Uh, a female writes in, I notice many women at the gym wear tight, crotch-hugging leggings. This could be causing your texture's infection problem. Everyone should wear loose, baggy pants to exercise. Most men do. Why don't more women know this? Genitals need to breathe. First, I have to disagree with you. A lot of the men that I see do not wear loose, baggy pants to exercise. In fact, they wear tights under their shorts um, and, uh, and not... All women who wear exercise clothing experience this. If you experience any kind of uh, of infection or what have you, and wearing tight anything is a factor, then yeah, for that person, stop wearing them and see if this uh, if this makes a difference or not. Uh, somebody writes in on fore- foreplay is like melting the feelings so they're able to properly excite the genitalia. Of course, the passion poet weighs in. A young man full of hormones, they need sex like air, not like their sexual counterparts. You cannot really compare. Guys will say anything at all just to get their fill. Should I wear a condom? Are you on the pill? That was really good sex. Hope you feel the same. Let's hook up again. Can I please know your name? <laughs> Very apropos. Uh, another text writes, I've never understood why a heterosexual male does not love vagina, but expect her to love dick and vice versa. I never understand why a heterosexual woman would not love a penis as much as I love vagina. Well, for some, I, I listen, there are variations in this, right? It's, uh, some men don't, don't particularly like to give oral sex and they do it because they, it doesn't excite them necessarily necessarily, but it excites their partner. And some women give oral sex because it excites their partner and not necessarily them. So, uh, sex once a week, I'd be happy with sex once a month. I've gotten it once in the past seven years. Yes, I'm married and only 40. So my sexual prime is long gone. Well, I find that at 40 and you've only had sex once in the past seven years, that's problematic. And, uh, you must be frustrated if you're not frustrated, it's not an issue. And you, if you and your partner are okay with it, that's fine. But if you're not, you may want to uh, address that and you can address that with uh, someone who specializes in sexuality, who can talk about this in your couple, but it's often the big elephant in the room and, uh, we need to have that, uh, discussion, which would be the most helpful thing, obviously, right? Uh, do I have time to answer any more? Let's see. If you stretch out your penis as far as you can while it's soft, would that equal about the length that it could be condom size? Um, that's a very good question, but uh, I think you would need the erect, uh, the erectile uh, tissue. You, you would need it to fill it with blood to really know uh, how long. Not just by stretching a flaccid penis, I'm not sure would actually uh, work. I wish I could uh, get to all of the rest of your texts. So much has come in. I'll uh, I'll get to them tomorrow. How about that? Tomorrow is Trouble Tuesdays. I'll be happy to answer them there and to share your thoughts with our listeners. Thank you so much for uh, spending your time with me. I appreciate it very much. Thanks to our technical producer, Dave Simon, tonight. You can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito, D-R-L-A-U-R-I-E-B-E-T-I-T-O, and that's on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. You can also go to my website, Dr. Lori 
www.thepodcastnetwork.com where uh, you have access to all the previous podcasts of the shows. You can also watch a couple of uh, TED Talks that I've done on sexuality there and get information about my book as well. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion. 